Welcome to the one and only Interior Design Book Podcast. Decorating by the Book, hosted by Susie Chase from her dining room table in New York City. Join Susie for conversations about the latest and greatest interior design books with the authors who wrote them. Hello, I'm Hilary Robertson, creative director, author, editor. Um, my most recent book is called Nomad at Home, which designing the home more traveled is the tagline, which we'll be talking about. Um, I'm from London, but I lived in America for 17 years. I live in Brooklyn and Hudson. When I first cracked open this book, I assumed it was all about decorating your home with finds from around the world. But it's so much more than that. I really love your philosophy of the levers. Can you chat a little bit about that and how it's really the centerpiece of Nomad at Home? Well, I've always been very curious about living in other places ever since I was a child. My parents were both academics, so we had long vacations and we would go away for all of those. And most a lot to France, um, actually, because that's so near England. But I always imagined myself in those places. I couldn't help doing that. And I grew up learning languages so that also reinforced that idea that one day perhaps I could live somewhere else. I know that that not everyone does that, especially now that I have lived in America for so long and I go back and see my friends who live in the same house, live in the same town, you know, and their lives have developed and moved on, but they clearly are happy to do their developing in the same context, whereas I always want that friction of being somewhere else. That's, I think, what it is. It's a kind of friction that um, helps you grow in some way. But some people just don't need that. So I'm a lever, not a remainer. I've always wondered if people could really develop if they were a remainer, if they stayed in that house they grew up in. I think they do. It's just a slower process. It's more of a an Ann Tyler type of a... <laughs> process you know what I mean I always think in her novels they're very based in a town in a place and things move and change but in a, in a different way I think you're putting yourself in a crucible when you take off to somewhere else so it's more extreme I like to speak other languages um, and I like that um, discovery process I'm also completely in love with cities uh, cities are like you know people for me they're like getting to know a new friend. And and maybe it's not always comfortable, but a friend sort of pushes you and changes you somehow. When people write books, they normally have an audience, a reader in mind. Who did you write this book for? Gosh, that's so fun. I think people who like to travel and people who like me will immediately go to the real estate office and and press their nose against the window looking at houses in Tuscany or Puglia or Madrid, apartments in Parma. I I just can't help it. I consider all of those options. If I like somewhere, I always have to imagine where could I live here? Maybe it's a lot of dreaming, you know, not, not necessarily something you may end up doing. That's the designing the home more traveled part of it, I think. Yeah, dreamers. And you talk about otherness a lot in the book. How has that always attracted you? I do have a brother. He's six years younger than me, but I was an only child, you know, for six years. I think that only child experience basically meant that I was having to play games with myself and have imaginary 
lives and that's always been very important to me so I think having those experiences of being in another country and being different somehow that was a default setting for me uh, I think I wrote about it in the book but um I went to stay with my mother's pen friend from when she was a child her French pen friend I stayed with their family in France which wasn't really that much fun but it was <laughs> but it was interesting I guess I just learned to rely on myself but also to be an observer um and I enjoyed that to me I don't really want to fit in I just want to go and look and you know absorb what's what's around me I love the fact that you don't want to fit in because I don't want to fit in either. But with <laughs> the internet, with Instagram, I yeah. feel like it's encouraging all of us to be the same, look the same, like the same things. I totally agree. I, I can't bear it, actually. That's the antithesis of, you know, what I want to do and how I want to live. But it's worrying to me, especially in the in the work that I do, being on trend and I think that gets narrower and narrower especially in America because I think you know England is an eccentric place and and we're known for eccentricity when it comes to fashion and music and all sort of creative fields but I think America can be very trend driven and especially because you have these dominant retailers who you know who will be selling a look that look will dominate the marketplace and because independent retail is so threatened by huge rents here there's so little of it i mean i find la much more inspiring for independent retailers smaller retailers in design and interiors so i feel that it's very very difficult to to be different you know if you want to work in the, the fields that I work in I love to morph and to change and I like to soak it all in and try it out that's the job that magazines used to do so brilliantly is to go to all the shows and be at Milan or Paris and to come back and bring the trend and interpret it for the reader. I think that's what I'm doing in my books because magazines just don't really do it anymore. In the book you talked about when you decorate your homes, you turn your gaze towards somewhere else. I'm so curious about how your mother decorated. Oh, well, she she did that too, in a sense. I mean, she grew up in, you know, I suppose she was born in 1933. She was definitely a modernist. And uh, my father, he um, was a geographer, but he studied in Finland, Norway, and Denmark. So he very much liked Danish design. And so my parents, that's what they started with. They bought nearly everything in our house was was Scandinavian. And that continued with me because I actually studied in Denmark and lived in Denmark. So that feels very natural to me. You know, even though I wrote this book called Monochrome Home, I think a lot of people assume that I don't like colour, but I really do like colour. But I just, I want to do all of it. Uh, that's the stylist in me. I can't really help it. Would you say it's calming the colors that you're so um, oh, sort yes. of attracted to? Absolutely. Yeah. I went to Tangier recently and I was in the house of uh, decorator Gavin Horton and he his house is all red and green and primary colors and cleverly put together, very sophisticated, uses stripes a lot, super fun. I mean, absolutely 
loved being in it. But I think, you know, what Leanne Ford does with White is also that's a really clever way of editing out choices. There are so many choices. The monochromatic palette is, is it, that is also very calming. And also it's, it's easy to unite a lot of things if you like things from different periods or minimalism. White can kind of deal with all of that. Okay, you just brought up Leanne Ford and she wrote the most thoughtful foreword. I truly think Hillary Robertson is one of the greatest stylists, editors, and curators of our time. And don't even think about taking that line out, <laughs> Hillary. That was the nicest thing I've ever read. No, so sweet. She's the best. Yeah, we're about to go to Copenhagen together to three days of design, which is going to be so fun. We haven't been able to go to a design show together, and I can't wait to show her Copenhagen. But yes, that is the kindest and sweetest. And she found my book, my monochrome book, and then um, reached out to me. So it was very fun to, it's, it's very nice to connect with people over a book. I love that you know something that you've made you don't know who's going to find it who's who it's going to resonate with and you know we make this magazine feel free together now as well so you tell us color is a personal matter and finding our palette is an intuitive process what are some steps we can take to discover our palette i think most color schemes probably need three colors I mean, or if if I was doing a neutral room, maybe I'd be playing with like four different intensities and then varying the textures. It could be anything. It could be a stone. It could be pebbles you saw on the beach. Just training your eye to notice colors that you respond to or combinations that you respond to. One wanderer in the book I'd love for you to chat about is Lizalette. Is that how you pronounce her name? Oh, Lizalotta. And yes. her story had me at leaving Sweden for Texas at 17 with no money and I no know. plan. That's crazy. So brave. I yes. know. I know. But but actually weirdly I I you know I meet a lot of expats here um and a lot of them left England very young and just on a whim and then sort of just figured it out which is incredible to me. So she's is extraordinary. She's so brave. But now in in Italy I think she's really hit her stride as a painter because now she's she's um, not really making products so much or illustrating for brands. She's, she's working as a fine artist, but uh, she's doing a series at the moment where she, uh, she picks, she was, when she travels, she picks up uh, like a favorite novel, whether it's uh, Bonjour Tristesse, she posted recently. And then she, then she does a little, she, she, I think she frames the book and then she made a painting sort of inspired by the book. I love all her references. All her references make so much sense to me. And, and interestingly, her color palette has become more muted in her paintings. But it's, I think it's fascinating to see how artists develop. She talked to me a lot about how she lived in Rome, how to connect with the people. You always say hello to everyone, to your neighbours. It's the opposite of New York, where everyone kind of scuttles past each other looking at the ground. You know, It was interesting. Actually, now she's moved to Tuscany. I'm longing to see her new home. That's the great thing. Some of the people in my previous books, I've sort of followed to new homes. So I always like to see how they develop. There's a chapter in the book, uh, Less is More, about 
the Moors who live in Mallorca now. And I'm hoping to shoot that house for my next book. Well, they're minimalist, but that every time I go to a new house of theirs, there's less things in it, which is really funny. They're just paring down and paring down and paring down. Is it a style thing? Are there kids going off to college? Why are they um, paring down? Uh, no, I think it's just it's just uh, that's how their taste is evolving. They're doing more with texture and less with things. Um, I think that's a trend at the moment, I would say. So it's about the, the textures and about understanding, I call it the envelope of the room. So every surface is something that has character, but it, in a very simple way. It's, it's minimalism, but it, minimalism works when there's texture. The, the corner, I think the cornerstone of minimalism is, is really attention to the shape of the room, the window, the light that comes in, and lack of distractions, I think. You know, yes. pe- that sort of peaceful mm-hmm. quality. Um, I'm not, you know, I'd love to be a minimalist. I'm not because I like things and I'm a magpie. But I admire people who are able to pare down in that way. Me too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More is more with me. But yes, I have so much admiration for people, especially in their bedroom. It's just a bed in How their bedroom. How do they do that? I, I don't have, know. It's you know, lovely. I, I know. I, I, I have all the different, you know, sleep aids and <laughs> piles of books. And oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I don't know how anyone does that. I They must just live in a completely different way. It would be fun to observe them, to follow them around and see where they keep everything. So before we go, I would love for you to tell me what this line means to you. To travel, hopefully, is a better thing than to arrive. Well, many years ago, when I was just in my 20s, a very good friend of mine called me Hillary Traveling Hopefully. I think identifying my attitude to life, and I guess not much has changed. I think it's just that it's just maybe it's about restlessness and curiosity and being a lever. It's maybe that's just in one's blood, you know, just the sort of the search for something, and maybe that occasionally you attain the feeling that you're after, you know, I can get that swimming in the Aegean or momentarily somewhere. Um, But, you know, yeah, I'm always looking for my forever home. I don't know where it is yet. I mean, I I do feel very English for sure, but I, I don't know where, I don't know where I'll arrive, if I'll ever arrive. So maybe I just have to be happy with that. Where can we find you on the web and social media? On social media, I'm at Hilary Robertson, and I have a, an Instagram for the book, which is at Nomad at Home Book. And then I'm HilaryRobertson.com for my website. This has been so fascinating, Hilary. Thanks so much for coming on Decorating by the Book podcast. Thank you so much. It's really fun to talk about it. Thank you for all your observations. I really enjoyed it. Follow Decorating by the Book on Instagram. And thanks for listening to the one and only interior design book podcast, Decorating by the Book. 